CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Nadia Lloyd on our show today. Nadia first started painting in 2010 after making the decision to sell her first fitness business and take some time off. From the very start, Nadia found herself painting abstract art and the Toronto skyline. In 2012, she started printing her own art on various fabrics in hopes of making her art more accessible, affordable, and functional. Before she knew it, she was a full-fledged designer with over 27 home decor and fashion accessory products on the market. When the pandemic began, Nadia recognized the need for PPE and started sewing face masks by repurposing cushion covers from her collection. Within months, the mask collection, including Pride-themed masks and Toronto-themed Black Lives Matter masks, had become a hit garnering recognition from Toronto's Mayor John Tory and the Toronto Raptors. Welcome to the show, Nadia. So excited to be here, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. So before we dive in, what's the most important thing that you want our audience to take away from today's interview? Well, I hope that my story will inspire people or entrepreneurs to think outside the box, ex- especially during difficult times, um, and really to tap into their creativity to find solutions. Love it. That, that's a great takeaway already. So walk us through your entrepreneurial journey um, from working in the fitness sector to becoming an artist. That's an unusual transition. So walk us through from the very beginning. It is. Well, I think it's important to know that I've been an entrepreneur since a very young age. Mm. My parents were fashion designers and um, I learned how to sew on all industrial sewing machines when I was about six years old. Uh, And I, I decided to start sewing pencil cases that I would sell at school in September because I realized that every time I asked for a toy or candy, my parents would say, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. We don't have enough money. It's too expensive. And so at a really, really young age, I thought, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to make money. And so I use my creativity since a very young age, and I've really been an entrepreneur ever since. I think I was born an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I've had a few careers. So first I went into broadcasting uh, when I came out of high school, and I put on uh, a little bit of weight, the, the freshman 15, as they call it, <laughs> um, in my second year of college. So I started working out. 
And, um, and I loved how it made me feel and, um, and what I was learning about fitness and people started asking me to teach them what I was, you know, how to do it. So right out of school, um, when I, when I graduated from broadcasting, I decided to get right back in school and do a fitness program. And so that's what I did. And so I became a personal trainer and I was a personal trainer for 13 years. Uh, the last four years of my career, I actually owned my own fitness and wellness studio which operated um, very successfully right from the start. And uh, what that did to me, because I really wasn't ready to run a large-scale business, I just wanted to have my little fitness studio to see my clients, but I quickly had to hire staff. We had hundreds of of classes per week. We had hundreds of clients. And what happened is I burnt out. Mm -hmm. And so after four years, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not loving it anymore because it's really overtaking my life. It's stressing me out. Um, I think I need to separate myself from it. So my husband and I at the time decided to sell it. And so we sold it in 2010. And then I thought I'm going to take a year off. And in that year, I discovered art. I discovered painting. And within six months, I was selling art. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. And people were saying, wow, you, you, you've got talent. You're onto something. You know, they, they were seeking out my art commissioning me to paint. And so that that's the beginning of my artistic career in 2010. Incredible. Um, and, you know, we're, we're interviewing a lot of creatives on the podcast recently, and that is very intentional because creative professionals are often left out of the conversation when we talk about entrepreneurship. We don't think of them necessarily as entrepreneurs, um, but inherently, you know, they are. So what role, um, you know, has this or can you speak to this and, and sort of the necessity of creativity in business and corporate spaces and that transition and bringing all that business acumen from the fitness sector into the arts? Um, how important is creative creativity in all of this? It's absolutely imperative. Um, you know, I think that even if you go to school to learn business, you still need to apply creativity to then put it together. Um, and someone in, in, in my shoes, I never went to school for business because I kind of figured that innately I'm an entrepreneur and I'm resourceful and I'm creative. So I will figure it out. And honestly, since, since the first, from the first business I've had to, you know, now on a daily basis, creativity is how I plan the future. Creativity is how I solve problems. Creativity is how I, I, I grow my business. Creativity is how I come up with new designs. So creativity is, is really the umbrella and then entrepreneurship and, and, and artistry and everything falls under it. Mm-hmm. So I think number one, I'm a creative being. And for me, I like to say that creativity is like oxygen for me. If I if I don't do it, I don't feel good. So so thankfully I've got this sort of I was born with this innate gift of creativity and, and of curiosity and of wanting to explore. Um, and so it's something that I apply to my business on a daily basis. Um, and it's probably, you know, I mean I, it, it hasn't always run smoothly. There's there's ups and downs, there's challenges, but it it's creativity is, is what helps me move forward uh, and survive. I love that. Yeah. Creativity is how I plan my future. That's my post-it moment from the episode so far. I love that. I love that. Uh, so in, in the nuts and bolts of you know how you've built this business, you are very active on social media and you have acquired quite the following. Um, as a self-branded business, what role have social media tools and social media marketing played in your overall success? Well, it, we're in a visual world now. Mm-hmm. So if people can't see what you're doing and see who you are and read about it, they won't be interested in knowing any more than that. So, so social media is great because 
my 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 work is visual, right? And and so it gives me an opportunity to share what I'm doing, to share my new designs, to share my processes, even to share to show people how I paint, how I put a painting together. Um, so social media has been huge and it has been imperative. And I have to say, uh, you know, a big part of me wishes I was born in the fifties or the forties or like Woodstock. Cause I'm, I'm, I consider myself quite the hippie yeah. at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, how would I ever run my business without social media or without a website? Right. I'd be what sending out flyers, 20,000 flyers and, and not, not even being able to direct those flyers to a website. I'd have to answer the phone and, and be on the phone all day. Like, I honestly don't know how we ever survived business wise without social media because it makes it so easy. I, I can, I can put like, I'll give you an example. I designed a new Toronto basketball um, design that I put on first on face mask, then on apparel. Cause I love the design and the feedback was so great. And it was Fred Van Vliet's birthday sometime in February or early March. I can't remember exactly, but I went on Twitter and I just said, Hey guys, in honor of Fred Van, Van Vliet's birthday and the, the beautiful work the Raptors were doing, this is my new Toronto basketball design. Hope you like it. And I think I sold 40 within two hours wow. and all of the sales came from social media, people seeing it and going, Oh, wow, this is really sexy. This is really cool. I want one, you know, two clicks of a button and they're on my website, two more clicks and they own it. So it's imperative. Absolutely imperative. Couldn't agree more. Um, and you know, especially we're seeing so many businesses, their online sales, they've pivoted their businesses. The sales are either booming or, or they're really just getting comfortable with e-commerce in general. Um, but there's exactly. so many opportunities, not just selling nationally, but you know, internationally as well, internationally. Uh, which, yeah, is, which is amazing, uh, but yeah. definitely comes with its own unique challenges. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause you have to learn to use it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In your experience, you know, what was that journey like for you? What barriers should entrepreneurs really be aware of before launching an online store or, you know, building digital businesses? What were some of the challenges that you faced? Well, the challenges is, is is that if you're a technophobe like me, I really don't like having to learn a new app <laughs> or having to learn a new system or having to learn a new, you know, computer language. And so what you have to learn is to delegate those jobs to other people if, if you're not born with those skills because you can't let something that small stop you or slow you down. So that's one thing that I've, that I've had to learn. I actually ended up bartering with someone to build my website initially because it was a Shopify website. I wasn't familiar with how it worked. And so I gave that all to an independent contractor and she spent you know a month uploading the photos, putting in the prices, designing it. And then she spent a couple hours showing me how to do my own updates and I've been running it ever since. And and I've always had sort of a reluctancy to delegate because I think that I can do it all. But what, I, what I've learned in the last 10 years is that when I can do something, it stops me dead in my tracks. And it's really the difference between moving forward or ending it here. And I've had to learn to trust other people to uh, apply their skills to help move my company and my business and my goals forward. Mm, that's such an important lesson that many learn the hard way that, you know, many entrepreneurs and particularly women entrepreneurs try to take it all on themselves because mm-hmm. you, know, you have to be that visionary. You also have to be uh, managing the operations. Uh, but that quickly. That's it. You wear so many hats mm-hmm. that, you know, I've, I've, I've hit many walls in the last 10 years where it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. This is what, another thing that I learned is like, I don't like this. And this is why I, it, it's now two weeks late. <laughs> and had, had I hired someone two weeks ago, it would have been done and I could have focused on other things. And so really my big lesson in the last 10 years was I like to create 
I need to keep my schedule free enough that I can create on a daily basis. And therefore I need to delegate jobs that suck my energy, my, my time and my passion to other people who love doing them. And so I can, we can all move forward. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be huge. I think that's one thing that women entrepreneurs struggle with. Sometimes it can just be subtle incremental changes. Like if you hate managing, you know, your calendar, that's potentially something very small you could bring in some support on that will really liberate your mind to this creative Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, hire someone to write a couple of newsletters every month, Mm -hmm. hire someone to design your website banners, hire someone like, it's imperative. I, and, and, and it's a lesson that I learned the hard way because honestly, what I what I regret now is selling my studio instead of just hiring a manager mm. because I the, the business was doing well. It was making good money. My clients loved me. They loved what I put together for them. And had I just hired a manager, I could have stepped away and taken on other projects, right? And have multiple streams of income. But I didn't know all these lessons back then. And I was just like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm fed up. I don't want to do it anymore. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've learned to delegate now so that I don't have to shut down my companies just because there's a few duties that I don't want to do. 100%. Like, that's so silly. <laughs> well, and it's you're bringing up a great challenge, though, in terms of succession. Founders very um, often don't think of succession planning that, you know, what would happen if you were no longer in this business? Have you built mm-hmm. the processes in place that, you know, somebody else could take over and run with all of the different moving parts? Do you have a strong team underneath you? Are they empowered to be leaders? This whole succession planning is something, it's it's a challenge. A hundred percent, everything you said. And a friend of mine who's um, a brilliant woman and a life coach said to me a few years after I sold the business, she said, the thing about you, Nadia, is that you give birth to ideas, <laughs> but you have a lot of ideas in you and all of them are great and they've all made money. And so just remember that is that you're, you're the captain of the ship, right? You're the conductor of the train. You can't be in the back throwing coals in the fire. You got to be at the front driving it and you have to hire a staff to take care of all the other duties. And, and that, that was a, a, a huge eye opener for me. And, and I thought, you know, you're right. I give birth to ideas. I put years developing, manifesting. They are always successful. And, but then another idea comes up and I want to do something else because I'm, I'm passion driven. I want to do things I'm passionate about. So when I'm not passionate anymore and I want to, put my hands in something else, then I have to put in the systems to, to, to keep things going, not to let it just die. Cause my passion died. Right. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. And you have all these great proof points to your point, you know, you've built successful businesses. So that's the hard part in so many ways. <laughs> exactly. The maintaining is really, it's just details and a little bit of work of upkeeping. Mm. So jumping back to our conversation around, you know, e-commerce and leveraging these various tools, many entrepreneurs, you know, we know say that their reasoning for establishing a commerce platform is reliability and customer satisfaction. But your perspective that you recently shared in an article stated that the two unique reasons that you use PayPal are are saving time, which is huge, which bridges, you know, our, our conversation we just had, and sustainability, two really key, key components. Can you explain this a little bit more and speak to your experience using a tool like PayPal to make that happen? Absolutely. Well, when you're an entrepreneur, you wear many hats. You wear all the hats until you start delegating those hats away. Um, So it's really important to be able to see the big picture of the business you're running and figure out ways to save time, to save money, to save energy. Um, And so a platform like PayPal, which I actually started using in 2013, 
with my other company, Toronto Art Crawl. So I run large scale art markets around the city of Toronto and I do about five to seven um, per year um, is really when I started to use PayPal. And then when I developed my Shopify website, I think a few years into it, PayPal and Shopify got together so that clients could also process their orders through PayPal. And so right away, I opted for that option because I had learned since 2013 that when people see the PayPal name, it gives them consumer confidence. Mm. So they know that, you know, if anything happens, I'm protected. And for me as well, when I'm buying supplies from overseas, when I'm sending people money, I like to do it through PayPal as well because it protects me as well. Um, thankfully, I, I think I've had like one dispute in eight years, but it was resolved really quickly because I had all the proof that I needed. So this is really how simple it is. In terms of bookkeeping, PayPal has developed a system that you know makes it so easy. Push three buttons and you have your stats from last month. Push three buttons and you have your stats for the year. Push three buttons and you know how much money came in. Push three buttons, you know how much money went out. And so in terms of bookkeeping, it's an absolute lifesaver. Um, before I started using PayPal, doing my books at the end of the year on a quarterly basis took me, I'm going to say, maybe 20 hours a week every quarter. Mm. It shaved that off by 75% Amazing. because I can I can just plug in dates and I can plug in what I'm looking for, hit enter, and boom, I have the information. I can print it or I can even forward it to my bookkeeper by email. So I don't even, I don't even have to get off my chair. So I would say all of these things, uh, all of these factors, like the fact that it saves me time, the fact that it makes it easy for me to find information, the fact that it, it gives my my customers confidence, the fact that it gives me confidence, all of this tied in together means that I will be working with PayPal forever. I have no intention of ever changing that system because it's, it's working and it's um, a lifesaver. I love it. And just, you know, all of these different tools or people or things that, that help you save time. Uh, you know, time is finite. There's only 24 hours in a day. So that exactly you know, to everything we were talking about earlier uh, is so important. And sometimes we can be so bogged down in inefficient processes that we don't, you know, look up and see, oh, there's actually a really great tool or service that can get us out of that. And you know, something else too, and I've, I've talked to enough entrepreneurs who act so silly. <laughs> like, like so, so for example, let's say what payment processing software are you using? I'm using PayPal. Oh, so you have to pay a fee. Well, never mind. I'll just, I'll just get my clients to keep e-transferring. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to talk to you in two years and you're going to tell me I wasted so much time manually processing payments that that, you know, 2.9% or 1.7%, whatever it is that you're paying in, in your transaction fees is worth every penny. Or for example, they'll try and find a way to build a website for free using, you know, various quote unquote free platforms out there, but that, that only allows them to complete certain parts of the transaction. And then they have to step in and, and do a whole bunch of work to complete the transaction, but they're doing it so they can save $29 a month. Mm. And, and it's like, listen, time is money and you will learn that. And sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And I try and tell entrepreneurs, don't cut corners because the only person who ends up losing is you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind paying a transaction fee and I don't mind paying um, a monthly fee to run my website because I go to sleep at night and I wake up to sales mm -hmm. and all I have to do <laughs> is fulfill the order and that's it. Yeah. Like, it, it's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this, and to that, you know, the scalability piece that, you know, if, if you are exactly. doing things manually, there's only so far you can go. And we're just seeing so many new tools, resources, uh, so much good stuff for entrepreneurs that, you know, is really cost effective. So it's great to see. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. What are some of the other resources um, that you would point a new or an established artist that that could be in your community uh, to that you wish you knew about when you started? Are there any other you know communities or artist specific resources that have been lifesavers for you outside of PayPal? I have to say, not really. Um, with the advice that I would give to a creative entrepreneur or artist who wants to become an entrepreneur. Is, is to put in the work with social media because that's really where the bulk of your clients will come from. And then be smart about it. You know, Build a website that is sustainable and scalable that will collect emails so that you can send a newsletter on a regular basis and, and, and get that client retention and get them to make more than one purchase on your website. Um, and, uh, and also just dream big. Dream big, but build a foundation. Build a foundation and maintain the foundation and 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 give enough to your fans on social media that they get to know you and they get to sort of fall in love with you and 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 you know can be inspired by you and can enjoy watching your journey. And that's really people want to be a part of that. So when you tap into their emotional center, then they want to see you do well. And that's, that's how they come back. Like, I've been amazed at, at how, um, especially since doing the face masks and increasing my, my fan base and my client base, how I'll get an order and I'll recognize the name. And when I'll click on the order, it's like, oh, this is their sixth order. This is their seventh order. This is their eighth order. And that's really what, what you want to strive for because they say that you know there's a cost attached to acquiring one customer depending on the on the uh, industry that you're in. Mm-hmm. So if you can get that one customer to become a repeat customer, that's really where you win. But you got to give back to those guys too. You got you have to have sales, you have to give them discounts, you have to give them incentives, and you have to share about a little bit about who you are so that they can decide if they like you or not and if they want to support you. Mm, I love that exchange that, yeah, it just goes so beyond just one purchase. You're trying to cultivate relationships through this client base and specifically within the arts. You know, I think those types of relationships are so nuanced and special, you know, compared to potentially a, de- a different type of product or service that might be offered. Yeah. Cause it's emotional. Mm. And, and here's the great thing I've learned too, is that if someone likes one of my designs, then they, it means they love my style and it means they'll love 99% of what I put out. And, and the feedback has told me that I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 so it's, 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 yeah. So it's pulling at their heartstrings. They're like, wow, this chick is cool. I like what she's doing. I like that she's fundraising for various causes. I like that she's putting out, you know, work that has purpose and, and a message. And, and I want to be part of that movement. And so I'm going to keep an eye on what she's up to and I'm going to support her. Amazing. Amazing. Do you have other, you know, women entrepreneurs in the arts or other um, inspirations that you want to give a quick shout out to who are also doing incredible work in this space? Oh boy. I'm a bit of a lone soldier soldier in that sense, to be honest. So I, I don't really. Mm. The one thing I've, I've loved during the pandemic is that um, I, art in general has taken more of a front stage mm. Uh, because it's uplifting, because it's purposeful, because it's relevant. Um, and so I've really enjoyed watching artists create things that are relevant to what we're living, or even just, for example, DJs spinning live on, on Instagram and, and just enlightening us and putting smiles on our faces. Yeah, I, think, I think art has become important again, whereas it was a little forgotten before the pandemic. So a shout out to all the artists. Keep it up. I love it. And you know, the great thing is that artists do create for themselves. What they do, they do because they need it to stay sane. But it's such a beautiful thing that we can 
help to build a community and come together just by being ourselves. I love that. And for, you know, the impact that the arts make on all of us, um, those that, you know, just appreciate art or those that build it, it always has frustrated me. And it's just so staggering to see how under-resourced it still is that we, you know, we recognize the influence that it has. Um, And I think COVID, it's a great point. You know, we're relying on our artists to keep us, you know, in a positive frame of mind and and relying on them to come up with these really creative ways to get that art to us. Um, When we look sort of at at post-COVID, how can we ensure that artists have more resources, more funding, more support, so that that is is more encouraged um, and that, you know, we're really, equitably supporting that across the entire entrepreneurship ecosystem because they are entrepreneurs. Well, I've, I've seen, so I can only speak for Toronto, but I have seen that the city of Toronto has put arts and culture um, sort of ahead on the agenda compared to the last 10 years by offering more grants, by offering more support, by offering spaces that will be accessible once the pandemic is over. Um, so I think that the city understands the importance of art and uh, on an ongoing basis. And for example, the mayor of Toronto, when I designed the Pride Mask back in May, and I got a call from his office, uh, actually, I got a message on Instagram saying, we're from the mayor's office. Uh, we want to pick up two Pride Masks. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they said, well, we're going to come pick it up this evening. And I thought it was the assistant who was going to show up, but the mayor actually showed up. Wow. And yeah, so I stepped outside my condo. He was outside with his assistant and he stood up and he was wearing a mask. But right away, I I was like, holy, that's John Tory. So he stood up and he said, are you Natty Lloyd? I said, yes. And he says, I'm John Tory. And I said, of course I know who you are. You were on TV like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Um, And he said, "I, I, I had to come and meet you personally to tell you how much I love your work. And I love your passion for the city of Toronto and everything that you've done. And to tell you to keep it up and to let you know that I'll be speaking about you on air and I'll be making sure people know who's designed this mask. And this is not the last that you'll hear from me. And and sure enough, he's worn my mask for almost a solid year now. He's spoken about me on the media. Um, And so, you know, a little part of me hopes that him really sort of learning about my journey and what I've, and what I've done and what I've created and, sh- and all showing all that Toronto love. And I've done it all on my own mm-hmm. has played a little part in him putting the agenda of art, arts and cultures, you know, ahead of where it's been. I, and whether it has or not, doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is though, I've seen more grants, more plans, more programs this year alone than in the past. And so that will be incredibly helpful moving forward. Agreed. Let's keep that up. That's such a beautiful illustration. Such a great way to, you know, use key influencers, government, private sector, uh, you know, local influencers, et cetera. That's, that's really powerful. Thanks for sharing that story. So Pleasure. any final takeaways, Nadia? We've covered so much ground. Any final um, pieces that you'd like to share with our audience today? Absolutely. I always like to finish by saying entrepreneurs need to listen to their instinct and listen to ideas that pop into their heads and not write things off as crazy before letting it sit and brew, because that is really your only resource to solutions, to ideas, to concepts, to helping you plan your future. So, you know, like when I had the idea of getting my BLM mask to the Raptors, I very easily could have said, well, that's crazy. Like you're nuts. Just get back to sewing. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead I grabbed my phone. I reached out to my network. I said, I need someone to put me in touch with the Raptors. And within two hours, Nick nurse's wife messaged me and that's how it all started. So I like to share that because 
yeah, like I said, as an entrepreneur, you have this 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 connection to you know the universe feeding you ideas and plans and solutions and 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 you you need to listen and don't don't be so quick to write off what you hear in your head. Not every idea is going to pan out, but give it some thought and ponder some of it before you just write it off. Amazing. Great piece of advice. Trusting your gut. That is so, yeah. so essential. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Nadia, for joining us on the Startup Women podcast today. It's been such a great conversation uh, and keep up the incredible work. We can't wait to keep following along. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun. And um, if people want to find me, do, can I give up my website? Go ahead. Okay. So it's www.nadialloyd.com, N-A-D-I-A-L-L-O-Y-D. And on all social media, I'm at Nadia Lloyd T-O, T-O for Toronto. So yeah. Fabulous. Incredible. Check it out, everyone. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Kayla. No problem. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.